I'm Crystal Escobar. This is episode number 77. FOMO, fear of missing out. Welcome to the Mormon Enlightenment Podcast, hosted by Wannabe Balanced. My name is Crystal Escobar. And I'm Sean Escobar. This podcast started out as a self-help podcast for moms and has transformed into a documentation of our journey out of Mormonism. Our goal is to make it safe for others to live their authentic life, break free from social norms and limiting beliefs, and inspire others to courageously share their truth. In February 2018, Sean published a recording between him and the man who sexually abused him as a child. This man was the director of the most recent Temple Endowment video, and the story was featured on the front page of the New York Times. Sean has become a powerful advocate for victims of sexual abuse. Crystal founded the Wannabe Balance brand in 2010 and recently published her first book. Now we have decided to partner up and grow this special post-Mormon community. We want people to feel safe to follow their hearts, even if that means leaving one's lifelong religion. Not only should they feel safe to leave, they should be able to do so with their dignity intact. Hey everyone, I have Sean back here. He's, it's been a while since you've um, made an appearance here on You can't appear the podcast. on an audio. <laughs> they can't see me. It doesn't work like that. So it's good to have you back, Sean. It's good to have you back. It's good to be here. Thank you for having me. You're a gracious host. <laughs> You've just been busy with a lot of things, so I've had to... I've been dealing with a stinking rental house that's been a nightmare for me. Yeah, so that's what Sean's been preoccupied with. That's been stressful. <laughs> okay, so we want to talk about FOMO, the fear of missing out. And it's going to be a great topic for us to talk about because I actually experienced this and Sean, I don't think, really experiences it. So it would be good to have two different perspectives on what it feels like to experience the fear of missing out. You fear that other people are enjoying a more enriching experience. And by not being a part of it, you it will lead to consequences. And I think that is pretty much the messaging we've received our entire lives growing up in the church and perhaps even just from our own parents. So it's not necessarily, um, it doesn't only apply to growing up in a religion, but it also can apply to just a, an old way of doing things, an old parenting style. And um, so Sean doesn't necessarily experience this. And for me, and I think this is something that many people do experience periodically after leaving the religion because um, it's so deeply ingrained in us. We're so worried about missing out on like eternal blessings and all these different things that we believed our entire lives. And now it's just kind of, I think it's, it's normal for it to creep into our experience from time to time. And for me, it, it's crazy because it's been almost two years since we've been out of the church and I found myself so we, okay, we're back in our St. George home and it's a little bit different. Both places are, I have like a different experience in both places. St. George, I've, I always felt a little bit more connected and more a part of our ward here in St. George. And it's not like we, it's just, I don't know, it's just a different feeling that I had. I just never really was a part of much and I was okay with that up in Draper. But here I just really made an effort to be 
really involved and become friends with a lot of the women in the ward. And that was kind of like a huge priority for me. I felt like I really did have some good friendships. And so I think being back here and knowing that this is going to be our permanent residence, um, it kind of brings up some emotions for me feeling like I always felt like, well, when we first left, I told, um, it was like a, a, a month before we were heading up to our Salt Lake house for the summer and for like six months. So it was like, I knew that I wanted everybody to know that we were no longer going to be going to church and that we wanted to, you know, be removed from our, we wanted to basically be completely cut off from the church. Our kids wouldn't be going, we wouldn't be going. We wanted everybody to know we weren't going to try to hide it and pretend. So, but I was so afraid. I remember that feeling. And I, I remember it was like a week before we were heading up to our Salt Lake home. And I told one of my friends and, um, who is also the, the mom of two of my daughter's best friends. So I just kind of wanted to tell her so that she could, you know, let everybody else in the neighborhood know, and I wouldn't have to face anybody and I wouldn't have to feel the awkwardness. I wouldn't see anybody out. So I kind of just like ran away from it. I'm like, all right, we're leaving the church. Bye. (laughs) So I left and it was like, oh good. I got to tell everybody without having to face them. And, um, so when I came back, it was like, oh my gosh, I was so nervous to see everybody. And, and it really wasn't as bad as I anticipated. Everybody was great. And it, it really was not all that different, I don't think. But I, I really wasn't hanging out with all the women very much anyway, the the year prior to us actually leaving. They were never meaningful relationships. And you just decided enough is enough. I, you know, these are not meaningful relationships. I want meaningful relationships. That's what I remember. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. So I just wasn't feeling like this, no depth. this like connection with all the women anyway. So, so yeah, but I, it still feels like there's still a part of me that feels like, am I missing out on some friendships? Am I missing out on what, you know, <laughs> you know, they're, that's kind of the way it is in a ward. People are friends and then they get together and they do things. And so I just wanted to talk about what the fear, where the fear of missing out stems from and how to overcome it. Because Sean, like I said, Sean doesn't really feel this very often. And I'm so envious of how he can just not really experience this. And um, so I think he has a lot to teach us. And I'm going to kind of explain the the psychology around it. But do you have anything you want to say about that? Like, what, how do you feel like, how would you explain why you don't necessarily ever have these feelings that I do? <laughs> oh man, I think around this this particular um, parameters, the, these circumstances, it's it's more so like I never felt like I fit in. So I actually feel better being out of the church. I feel better because I never felt like I fit in the church. I never felt I always felt like a stranger at church. Um, I always felt like, and, and come to find out, there's a lot of us. There's a lot of people and when they, you know, when they say that they felt like that square peg trying to be shoved into a circular hole, um, part of that is that you, you seriously do not connect with people at church. You do not. Um, maybe there was a handful over 25 years. Maybe there was a handful of like people at my, at a ward level that I really connected with. I always connected with my mission companions cause you're living with them. Yeah. Um, and I'm still friends with all those mission companions. Nothing's changed, but 
I think that's what it is. Um, I think that I, I've noticed in wards that I've been in that they can be very cliquish. And I've always hated cliques, even all the way back to when I was in junior high and high school because I had to change schools. You probably hated cliques too because mm-hmm. when you have to change schools and you move into a new school and you, you realize that, oh, you know, there's this clicky thing going on here. Everybody's already have, they already have their relationships established and it's really hard to join into those established friendships. Yeah. Yeah. So that's not a Mormon thing. That's just a, a human thing. And, but you notice the cliques in, in, within the, the church framework, but I, I don't know. I mean, I really think that it's, it's human nature to feel what you're feeling. Yeah. It is human nature. Um, I think maybe I'm just more of a loner than you. <laughs> yeah. So it's not like I'm so evolved. It's just more like I don't care if I'm alone. I actually really enjoy downtime. I really enjoy. In fact, when we go out, if Crystal says, let's go, you know, where it's really lots of people and social, it's it's kind of, um, it, it doesn't bring my energy up. It, it kind of has an adverse effect on my energy. I like if if we were to go to a park, let's say to like a, you know, a beautiful, you know, park with a river or whatever. If there's like tons of people there, I'm like, oh gosh, this is terrible. It's congested. It's loud. I can't really, I can't focus. I can't enjoy myself. Crystal actually thinks, oh my gosh, you know, this is so fun. It like feels so exciting that so many people are there. I'm like, look, this is where the party is. <laughs> <laughs> so that's just difference in yeah. personalities and behavior it's it's not like i'm evolved it, it's not like that um if you were to say i think we're going to get into are we really miss are post-mormons really missing out the, the one thing that i like how you're bringing this up because one of the things in the post-mormon world that i started to notice is, is that it was getting um it can be clickish too and so the very thing that people that move to utah for instance and they they witness that, oh, I feel left out. I feel like I don't belong. I feel like I'm excluded. Um, and they, that's a real thing. Like, talk to people that aren't Mormon that live in Utah. And they've lived, some have lived a lifetime of that. And then, do we really want to do that to people? Like, as post-Mormons, do we really want to give that same feeling? Like, you have to be one of us. Like, I just don't believe that you have to have, like this clicky nature as post-Mormons, otherwise you're operating as a Mormon still, you'd be better off being friends with everybody and anybody. That's my opinion. That's what I'm really passionate about is like diversity. So that's why a lot of people that are post-Mormons move out of Utah because they're like, I just can't do it anymore. It's just so binary. And I'd rather be able to be friends with all different types of people and all different cultures. And, and, uh, and that's kind of where I'm at right now too. Yeah, I think that once you can get past a lot of the initial emotions that you experience when you first leave, then you're able to operate more in that way where you can be friends with Mormons and you know, people that are in religion or not in religion or ex-Mormons like you have no preference. But I think in the beginning it's just it's almost essential. I think for me it was because I felt so immensely out of place because I had like publicly left the church and it's it I felt a lot of awkwardness when I would be around Mormons like I have nothing to say I don't know what to talk to them about I can't relate but that's all just like stories made up in your head it's only because you're going through the most intense emotional part of 
leaving your lifelong religion, you feel those feelings, but it's only temporary. So I think in the beginning, I'm like, for sure, like I could never be friends with Mormons. I only want to hang out with ex-Mormons because Mormons don't get me. But now that things have calmed down with both of us emotionally, I think now I can see like, oh yeah, I can still communicate and have great conversations with Mormons. You know, it doesn't have to be that way. But in the beginning, I definitely felt like I could never be friends with Mormons again unless they see things the same way I do. And, you know, but you're right. That's just operating as a Mormon again. You know, like you can't, Mormons always feel like they can't, you know, be friends with people that are not Mormon because they feel like it's so important that we share the same beliefs. But it's really not that important. It shouldn't be the number one reason why we are friends with people. So yeah, I, th I think it's good that we kind of gotten to a place where we can see how to be friends with anybody. An example, um, I met uh, a lady at the gym um, and she had a disabled son and I was befriending the, the son, helping him in the gym. And um, I like to do that, you know, uh, it, it brings me fulfillment. And um, so then the next time I saw them again, and same thing, you know, I was just making friends and helping because um, she doesn't know how to train him and stuff. Mm -hmm. And and then uh, I think it was the third time I, I, I uh, see, saw them again. And, and then, you know, I asked about them and heard their whole story. And, and it's a pretty devastating story. Um, and I won't go into details, but I, I asked them, you know, you guys should come and, and uh, come over to dinner with my family. And uh, we'd love to have you over. You don't really know anybody in you know, here in St. George. And, um, you could see that she just looks at me and she goes, I don't want to be Mormon. And <laughs> I just started laughing. And, and that's the perception of people that move here that aren't Mormon is that, Oh, you're only nice to me. If, if I, I want to be Mormon. Mm -hmm. Um, that's, that's the big, that's bad. That's really, that's what's wrong, you know, is that I, I used to do that. I used to think, oh, I just met these people. I mean, they'd be great Mormons. And yeah, well, we feel like we're doing a good thing. Like we're doing our missionary work and our service to God, you know. So it is comes from a good place, but it can really put a lot of people off. Yeah, yeah. So I, I would challenge you. Um, I feel like I'm getting along better with Mormons now. <laughs> I, I keep saying that. And I've been saying that for, you know, a long, long time. And I, I really believe it. Um when I was in high school, I always was envious of these kids that, um, because I, I drank some in high school and, you know, I was kind of rough, but I was envious of the kids that weren't hiding things. I was hiding things because my, my parents, you know, obviously very, were Mormon and, and I didn't want to get in trouble and didn't get, want to get my car taken away. And so I was hiding some things, but I was so envious of the people, um, in my high school that were living authentically and just out in the open and I think that's how probably most Mormons look at, at uh, post-Mormons. is They don't like it when you're just trying to tear their religion down all the time. Um, they don't like that, of course. But I think if overall, uh, I think that they're envious that, oh my gosh, you know, like they actually get to, they're probably having FOMO. Like legit, you know, our, our, if we're having FOMO, it's more so social. Um, you know, it's like that kind of stuff, but mm -hmm. they're probably having FOMO in the way of, damn, like, I wish I could voice my concerns. I wish I could live my true authentic life. I wish I could do openly do the things that I don't think are bad and that are ridiculous to think they're bad. And does that make sense? Yeah. And so it probably goes both ways, but 
I do. I actually, the, the sense, the vibe that I get from Mormons now is that um, they appreciate me more. Mm-hmm. That's what I get. Yeah, I think that's true. But yeah, I don't, I haven't felt this very much, but it just, you know, over the past uh, couple of weeks, some emotions were stirred up in me and I really wanted to kind of dive into this topic and, and get to the root of where does this come from? Why do I have this feeling? And I kind of did some research and kind of read up on it a little bit. And I, re- I learned that it is more a fear of what you won't have than it is about what someone really wants. And that is absolutely not an abundance mentality. So we're worrying more about what we won't have as opposed to just simply appreciating what we do have. Also focusing on what we really want. And what I learned about FOMO is that a lot of where it it stems from is, like I said in the beginning, from the way we were taught growing up and It's that we lost touch with our own internal guidance system because we were taught that it's more important to follow our parents' or religion's guidelines than it is to do what we really want. We learned that by not following their guidelines, we will potentially lose the connection with the ones we love, not only now, but also eternally. So there's a lot of fear that has been drilled into our our subconscious. And so it's it's important that we just become aware of why we are feeling these this fear and acknowledge that it's usually just a scarcity mentality. You're worrying about what you you won't have potentially. <laughs> and um you need to really be focusing on what it is that you really want. And that's something I think that we weren't really taught growing up because we were taught to follow what other people tell us is right for our lives and never really getting to know who we really are and what we really want. So now (laughs) for me and Sean at age almost 40, we're finally, well, I think Sean has always been really in touch with what he really wants and he's been a a lot more confident in following what he really wants. And, but for me, that hasn't been the case. And so I'm having to learn this at, at my age, which is exciting, but it's definitely kind of funny to, to realize that, oh my gosh, I never really learned how to connect with myself and and follow what I really want. It's always, it's always been about what other people tell me to do. Yeah. Real quick, remember when you, we, went, we went on a hike and, and you were like, think about this, uh, even at such a young age, um, I am a child of God, and, and they throw in this verse of, help me to understand his words before it grows too late. Mm-hmm. So your whole life, it's like, even as a little a little sunbeam, you're like, oh, it's going to get be too late. Yeah. If I don't do what they tell me. It's, yeah. I'm going to miss out on something really good. <laughs> That's scary. Life or death at yeah. that age. That's sick. Ugh, yeah. So I wanted to switch our focus on the new and exciting life we get to lead now that we're out of the church, not on the things that we've lost, not on the things that we hate, but appreciate our life of freedom, our untethered soul, our increased capacity to love now that we no longer believe in 
well, for us, Satan, the judgment day or the wrath of God. And so I made a little list of all the things that I love about not being in the church. So if you want to add anything to my list, then I'm just going to just rattle off what I wrote. Um, Second Saturday, of course, that's so, so much fun. (laughs) No more garments, no church, no temple, no callings. We can now drink coffee and alcohol. No more shame and guilt, which is like the number one biggest thing for me. It has been a huge weight off my shoulders to not be carrying all that shame and guilt that I've carried for so many years. Um, Freedom to think for myself. And when you release the belief around judgment, you stop judging others so much. And most importantly, you stop judging yourself. You're able to be more authentic, no more hiding your true opinions, thoughts, and feelings, better marriage, better parents, an amazing community. Do you have anything else you can add to that? Mm. Um, yeah, no, that's awesome. I, I just think about how Mormons, how they get so excited if it's like state conference. They're like, yay, <laughs> yay, we don't have to go to Which church. Which is so funny that they think that means you don't have to go to church, but that you're really supposed to go to state conference. Well, not the... Not the <laughs> but they just think, oh, yeah, we don't have to go to church. No, the, the, only the like real zealots go to state conference. Um it's like only the real zealots watch all of we always went i always went growing up i never thought of it as a day off we always we always celebrated it as a day off it's like oh good you know we don't have to go (laughs) that was a great thing um that's funny you know it it it's funny to me how actives are so excited about two-hour church like it's so that was funny the other day you're all you're all uh, your parents had state conference the week before and or no your parents had state conference that sunday because we were getting ready to go on a bike ride and and you're all every sunday state conference for me <laughs> <laughs> i love how sean just so openly throws out these comments to his parents and he has no shame she's like i'm just gonna say what i think <laughs> um jesus if you think about jesus did jesus if jesus was what they say he was um, and I don't know if he was or wasn't, but if he was, what did Jesus do? Uh, he hung out with the sinners, according to what I've heard. I mean, he he actually, who did he hate the most? He hated the, the Sadducees and the Pharisees, all the hypocrites, all the most zealous religious people. He hated them. That's an interesting thought. Um, it's interesting to think that would Jesus in this day and age, if he were to come here now, who would he hang out with? Um, who would he resent? Who would he turn away from? Um, it would be the overly zealous, you know, the religious zealots. And uh, that's an interesting, interesting concept if you think about it. Are we really missing out on anything? Um, if anything, you know, we'd probably be the ones that Jesus would want to hang out with if you think about it. Totally. <laughs> We're cool. We're fun. <laughs> yeah, but no, Crystal, I think uh, I think you've come a long way. Um, actually, I don't think the fear of missing... See, human beings, what do we have? We have insecurities. And so we wake up and we go to brush our teeth and we instantly think, oh, my teeth aren't straight enough. Um, you know, and then you... You look in the mirror and you think, oh gosh, you know, I, I, I got to lose some weight. And then you put on your clothing and it's, oh gosh, you know, my, my clothes don't fit right. Um, 
or it doesn't fit good. You know, and so you go throughout your whole day and you eat something and you think, oh gosh, you know, why did I eat that? Why was I attracted to that food? Why wasn't, why didn't I take the time or the energy or the expense to eat something healthier? Like, this is what we do to ourselves all day, every day. Am I a good parent? Am I a good father? Am I a good mother? The fear of missing out is, has nothing to do with the Mormon church. I just want you guys to know that. It has everything to do with human beings being emotional beings and we're insecure by nature. That's why we're, you, it's interesting. Some of the most popular, some of the most successful, you know, celebrity type people, they're actually assholes and they're arrogant. And yet they have these big followings and, and they get all this acclaim and all this, you know, financial success for being arrogant. And I look at it and I go, holy crap, like why do people even like them? They're so arrogant and they're, they're so into themselves, um, egomaniacs. And yet why do people look up to them is because it appears as though they don't have the insecurities. And we're like, oh, wow, how would that be? Like, I envy them. They don't have what I have. Everybody has it. Some people are better at hiding it and faking it. But this fear of missing out is no different than that. It's, abs it's no different than thinking, oh, I wish I had that house. Oh, man, I wish I had that marriage. I, I wish I had that relationship. I wish I went on those trips. It has nothing to do with not being Mormon. I hope you realize that. That has Those Mormon relationships are shallow. They are so shallow. Why? Because you can't find any depth when you can't be open and honest and authentic and vulnerable. And that's the reason why even, even Mormons, if they really understood what a meaningful relationship was, you know each other's dirt. You know each other's dreams. You know each other's history. You know everything about each other. And all of a sudden, this beautiful relationship is born like crystals in mine. It's born out of vulnerability. It's born out of authenticity. It's not born when you're pretending to be what you're not and pretending you're perfect. Yeah, and being so afraid to say certain things. I remember feeling that a lot. Like I would open up about certain things and I afterwards I would go home feeling like, oh my gosh, did I say too much? Did I expose too much of myself? And feeling so worried that I had exposed too much of myself or my past and worried that people were judging me. And that should never be the case. Like we should be able to talk so openly about anything and not fear the judgment of others and not worry that we said too much because why are we trying to hide? What are we trying to hide from people? So that's why I think you said that, you know, the relationships can be quite shallow and it's for that reason because you really are so afraid to to open up. And I, I felt that so much. And, you know, I was afraid to open up and I could tell that others were afraid to open up with me. Like we would never really have any deep conversations because it just, it's too vulnerable and you're not allowed to do that in the church. <laughs> that's what I meant, Crystal. The fear of missing out is not a real thing. That's all, I, that's all I'm trying yeah. to say. It's not a real thing. And if you see a group of girls together on a walk and you think, oh, I'm missing out. I'm not with them. My opinion of that is with what? Yeah. Like just because you're not in the presence of other people, like I don't understand that myself. Yeah. Call someone you like and ask them to go for a walk. Like who gives a shit if those three women are together? I don't care. I, yeah. I could care less. That's my opinion. I, yeah. I bring value to the table. I bring value to the table. So if people want to spend time with me, you know, 
that's great. And I want to spend time with people that I value. You see what I'm saying? But just if that's going back to high school level stuff, when you let those insecurities feel they trick you, trick mm-hmm. you into thinking that's real, it ain't real. Yeah, so true. Well, um, I wrote down the answers to overcoming the fear of missing out actually is basically analyzing people who don't experience, experience that. And so this was perfect because I could really see that about Sean. And when I was doing, when I was reading up on this, I was like, oh my gosh, that's exactly true. Like that's why Sean doesn't have, he doesn't feel these feelings that I have about different things. And it's, this fear of missing out is, is not just about the church. You know, it applies to everything. I've experienced fear of missing out in so many different ways. And this was just, it just so happened that recently I had this feeling around the church, you know, about around the different relationships that I see people having in my neighborhood. So, but this applies to so many different other things for me in particular, like not getting invited to certain things or, you know, not being a part of something. And, and it's, it's just like hurts me, you know, and, and Sean's always like, why? He's always so confused that I have these feelings. So I wanted to read a list of the reasons why Sean doesn't experience this feeling very much. So people who don't have the fear of missing out is because they feel empowered to live and create the life they want regardless of what people think. They are fully present with the enjoyment they are getting out of their own life. They don't have a fear of not going along with something or even just changing course midstream. They don't midstream. (laughs) What? That's what guys always say when they're peeing. That (laughs) really, (laughs) I didn't know. That's that's what you say, don't you? My phone rang midstream, or you know, like oh gosh, you started talking to me (laughs) midstream. I didn't know that. (laughs) Well, like that, it just applies to you being in the church. You know, like I think it was less scary for you to just be like, eh, this is not working for me. And we just leave. But uh, it was so much more emotional for me to, you know, commit to something and then decide, never mind, I'm not going to do this anymore. So that's kind of what that means. But that happens in a lot of other areas in your life, too. Like if you decide that something's not working for you, you're not afraid to just change it and do something different. You're not worried about, oh, but I already committed. I already, you know. I already said I was going to do this, but you just are so in touch with what you really want and you follow that more often than I do. Um, Thank you. Yeah. They don't tell themselves stories about themselves like negative. They don't make up stories about why. And that's something that I really struggle with. You know, like I, I make something mean something about me. You know, like if I wasn't invited to go, I, always, I instantly think, what does that mean about me? And I make up stories not so much anymore, but that was something that I did very often, you know, even three, four years ago. I really struggled with that. I always made it mean something about me. Um, and they don't live according to obligation. They truly do things that they want to do. But um, there was a question that somebody asked me, somebody emailed me like a week ago and asked us to do a podcast episode on our thoughts on living in Utah being post-Mormon. And, you know, she's considering moving here and she's been out of the church for a few years, but she's really nervous about coming back here and it kind of like um, stirring up a lot of 
emotions for her by just being around so many Mormons. And so I think I just wanted to touch on that a little bit and explain how, how it's been. And, you know, we can't, we don't have anything to compare it to, you know, we, we have never really lived out of state, Sean and I. So yeah, we don't really know what it's like to not live in Utah, but for us, I think overall the experience has been just fine. I think we realize that there, because the population of Mormons is so high, there's also a high population of post-Mormons, which means that there's a lot of people that really do understand what this experience is and that we can really relate to. So I don't feel like it's been that challenging. What do you think? No, I think I think Utah's getting more diverse. Um, I think that uh, it will continue. It will continue to get more diverse. Um, I think Mormons are great people. I think they live. You know, the 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 things they aspire to do or talk about doing are are worthwhile things by and large. Um, and so uh, it's it's not a bad thing. There's some people that move to Utah and around Mormons and like it, but they don't want to be Mormon, but they like it. So it's not necessarily a negative. Um, you know, it takes me back to when people used to say, well, oh, you don't want to serve in Colonial Heights. That ward sucks. Oh, you don't want to serve in Bonaire. That ward sucks. And I would go to these areas where people would, every, all these missionaries would say, that ward sucks. And it was fine. Like, anywhere you go, you find the same kinds of people. That's what's so funny to me. So, it's again, it's labeling things. And why is it, we always want to label things. We want to label diseases and conditions and, you know, label everything uh and religions there's a label you're always wearing labels and um if if you saw a group of of uh, women walking in the neighborhood for instance and you know you feel like oh crap i wish i could walk with them and i'm not mormon or i i'm not mormon anymore i would challenge you to reach out to someone that isn't mormon or it doesn't even matter if they're mormon reach out to someone that you like and ask them to do something with you When's the last time you went and met somebody in your neighborhood that you don't know and get to know them and give them a chance? That's diversity. Like, I really think we should all be practicing more diversity and, um, yeah, and thinking for ourselves, doing for ourselves, being open-minded. You'll find real joy in that. You will. You'll find real joy in being friends with with uh, people that, you know, not just because you're assigned to them or not just because you conveniently, you know, know them through a group or whatnot. Reach out to people. Go outside of your comfort zone. Every time you feel that fear of missing out, try something new. Try some, Try to reach out. Try to go beyond yourself. Um, that, that would be my advice. Yeah. Take the initiative and just simply create the life you want. So... Thank you guys so much for listening and we will see you again soon or we'll, we'll be with you again soon, but we won't, we might not see you. (laughs) Bye guys. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the wannabe balanced podcast. Get access to free resources available at wannabebalanced.com. If you love the show, then leave a review or share it with a friend until next week.